0: Pastor, let me know that I was uh, gonna have the opportunity to preach this before the summer started, so I've been uh, mulling these ideas around in my head. I've been working with this passage for a while and and focusing on what Christ really wants me to say this morning, and so I'm excited to preach uh, this message to you this morning. Now, there's a lot to, that's going to go into this. This is, this is a lot of verses. This is 11 verses, and so there's a lot that's going to go into this morning's message, and so I want you to hang in there with me as we as we process through this. We're going to go through uh, this verse by verse, and in your bulletin, there's a handout uh, that will have bullet points that you can follow along with, and then in between, uh, there's some just some lines for you to to jot down your own notes, uh, your own word from the Lord. I hope that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning and uh, gives you some of your own side notes as you you follow along. But first, I'm going to read the passage from beginning to end so that we can kind of get a grasp of what we're dealing with, uh, and then we'll just go verse by verse uh, going through this passage, all right? So this is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, and this is in the New Living Translation. It says, This is Jesus. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Verse 1, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. This opening verse depicts a relationship between the Father and the Son. Jesus says that he is the true vine and that Father God is the gardener. Jesus, he is our life source. He is our connector to the nutrients and sustenance that we need every day. However, in verse two, we see that not, uh, even when we are connected to the life-giving vine, it does not mean that we do not need continual pruning. So what is pruning exactly? Well, practically, pruning is the cutting away of dead or overgrown parts of a plant. I'm sure that many of you who like to garden or have worked with flowers and different plants have done this before, uh, pruning your plant so that it can grow uh, to to greater fullness and health. But spiritually, pruning is the process where Christ removes specific areas of our character and life in order to create growth and fullness and spiritual health. The word, the church word that we use for this is sanctification. Uh, And really what sanctification means practically is it's the process of being formed more and more into Christ-like character. So the first bullet point is we are in Christ learning to be Christ-like. We are in Christ learning to be Christ-like. It is our goal every day and in every situation to become like Jesus, this is not to be mistaken with making ourselves better people, better people through our own will or power, but instead it's recognizing that Christ wants us to grow into greater understanding and fullness. This is done through everyday circumstances in our life that reveal his nature and character, but also show us the pitfalls and the blemishes of our own. We are in relationship with Christ, learning to be Christ-like. We are in Christ. We are connected to the grapevine learning to, uh, to be Christ-like. Which leads me to verse two. Pruning is never easy and often resisted. Pruning is never easy and often resisted. Verse two says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. So what is this fruit that he's talking about? Well, he's talking about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The fruit of my life. What does, what does my life bear? What does my life display? And it says that he cuts off the, the areas of my life that do not produce fruit. And the areas that are producing fruit, he prunes so that they can produce even more life, more fruit. See, pruning is a difficult and painful process most of the time, and pruning requires selected things to be cut off. Did you know that not only... do horticulturalists need to prune plants? But there's something that psychologists call the pruning process, and it occurs in the early stages of childhood. Um, I was doing some research on pruning, and obviously I knew a little bit about the planting side of this, where you got to cut plants back. But did you know in, a, in a, the early stages of a child's life, right when they're born, their brain is full of millions of synapsis connectors, and uh, what what the goal of uh, parenting when you've got a young child is to get them experiencing a lot of different things and, and have a lot of things for them to do so that those synapses can make connections. And so you want them to continue to, and that helps their brain grow and helps them to grow into fullness, right? But after a while, uh, their brain decides and determines that some of those synapses are overgrowth and they're not, they've not been connected, they are not being used, they're not needed. And so their brain prunes them off. It just takes them away. I, I, I think about this in the understanding of like a, a young Christian. Their life is probably full of overgrowth, right? Full of things that they just are, are useless and are not serving their purposes. And so as they grow in Christ, uh, Christ uses the pruning process to cut away some of that stuff. And not this is not to say that pruning doesn't, uh, you don't need pruning as a, as a lifelong Christian. You're going to be pruned forever. But I think of this, this uh, illustration specifically as just showing us that Christ wants to prune and wants to use, and it's not just through plants, but there's also some things that happen in our body where our bodies just naturally prune uh, away things that are dead and unneeded. Uh, remember that when we are in Christ, learning to be Christ-like, learning in the kingdom of God is relational, not just functional. So when we're learning to be like Christ and we're in this pruning process, learning is not just functional, but it's also relational. Uh, Becoming like Christ in every situation is the goal for God. He wants us to to learn what it means to become like Christ. That's his priority. Uh, For us, it's an issue of perspective. Because pruning can be so hard and at times painful, we run from things that resemble pain and sometimes we resist the work of God in our lives because... Who wants to be poked and prodded with our character, right? We don't want God to, to cut in and, and cut out the, the difficult things. Uh, I say it's an issue of perspective because let's use an illustration from a, a regular everyday life. That's how we learn. we learn. We learn through the pruning process from everyday life circumstances. When I was in college, I had a buddy. Uh, he was my roommate and his name was Tanner. And I love Tanner. Tanner, if you're watching this, don't take this personally. But um, uh, me and Tanner uh, were great friends. Uh, I chatted with him on the phone this week. We we are still friends even though I've been out of college for 5 years now. But Tanner was my roommate for uh, a couple of years towards the end of my college career, and my first year rooming with, with Tanner was a was a difficult thing. Um, I'm I'm a pretty particular person. I like things neat and orderly and clean. Uh, I just am a particular person. I like I get my hair cut every three weeks, like I clean my shoes, like I think I want things in, in, their, in their proper place. And Tanner is like a, a walking explosion, basically. Um, Tanner, he 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 moves at a million miles an hour. People think that I move fast. You've never met Tanner. Tanner moves at a million miles an hour. He is always going from thing to thing to thing. So he would come in from class, and he would whip his backpack around and and change clothes and and throw his clothes all over, and then he would grab something to eat and throw the plate wherever he could find a spot, and he would run out the door and go off to something else, and then he'd come back, and he would do that same thing over again, and and he was going to work out, so he'd change clothes again, and I mean, it would just, I mean, the, the apartment would be awesome, and it'd be smelling good, looking good, whatever, and then Tanner would come in and just blow the place up. And um and uh, it, it wasn't just me. I had two other buddies plus Tanner, so there was four of us living in this apartment. And it got to this point where I was just so irritated with Tanner. I just could not deal with him anymore. I'm like, Tanner, you're killing me, bro. And I just got so, so frustrated. And it came to a head at this moment. I lost my wallet. Uh, any guy here lost their wallet before? You know, you know that moment where you're, you like, it hits you that you've lost your wallet. Like it's that moment, like oh no, like where did this thing go? Uh, and so I'm telling you, I lost my wallet and I'm looking for it everywhere. I flip the apartment. I can't find it. I'm looking in my backpack. I look in my car. I look in all my classes. I go to the, the lost and found at the university. I cannot find this thing. I'm so mad because I know it's probably in the room, but I can't find it because Tanner lives in my apartment and Tanner is a problem for me. And so, uh, I'm telling you, I look, 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 I, I ask everybody I know, it gets like around the college that I've lost my wallet because I'm like freaking out. And it go an entire week without having my wallet. I cancel my credit cards, my debit cards. Uh, I just, I, I get a new ID. I have to pay like 15 bucks to get a new it ID. Oh, it was horrible. Well, then, then one day, I think it was a Sunday. It was like the first Sunday in like probably six months that Tanner decided to do his laundry. Um, uh, maybe not six months maybe seven. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, he decided to do his laundry and he comes back uh, and he walks in the room and guess what he's holding? My wallet. After I've been looking for it for a week. And uh, he has my wallet because my wallet happened to get into the bottom of his dirty clothes hamper. And it got there because as he was trying to clean up, I think my wallet had fallen off my desk and his clothes were everywhere and he just went down and scooped everything up and as he scooped every, all of his clothes up, he scooped my wallet up and threw it in his dirty clothes and boom, there was my wallet. And as I was going through this, pro- I mean, I, li- I about lost it on Tanner and I said, Tanner, we're never gonna be friends again, get away from me. And uh, it was a total kidding, but uh, not really. And so uh, <laughs> I, 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 had to, I had to learn a lot through that process. Because we're learning in the kingdom is not just functional, but it's relational. And we learn through uh, things like this, like a relational uh, aspect of life. Um, I, I kept, it wasn't just the wallet thing, it was just a relational thing with Tanner. And I was irritated with him. And I kept asking, what is wrong? God, what is wrong with this dude? Like, God, what is wrong with this dude? He is messed up. Like, can you help him out here? And what I started to learn was that it wasn't that something was wrong with Tanner, but that I was missing something. And Christ wanted to show me what I was missing through my relationship with Tanner. Remember that when we're in Christ, learning to be Christ-like, that it's relational. Um, when you have that person in your life that just rubs you the wrong way, that you struggle to get along with, that you just can't seem to find personality that clicks, uh, you can have one perspective that prays to God for him to be removed or that situation to be removed out of your life. God, get this guy away from me. Get this person away from me. We just, we just don't work together. He rubs me the wrong way. She rubs me the wrong way. We just don't work together. But there's another perspective. And that other perspective from the same, about the same situation looks at it and it starts to begin a dialogue with God about how they can learn and grow from the struggle that they're encountering. One says, God, remove this problem, get it away from me. The other one says, God, I'm encountering this problem. How is it that you're wanting to use this for my growth? How are you wanting to use this to better me? So here's the thing about the obstacles in our lives. If all you want from the trials and hardships in your life is for them to be resolved, the resolution of your circumstances then is a functional way of learning. You are simply looking for a functional resolution to your issues so that you can kind of go on your merry little way. If you are not really focused on becoming like Jesus, then you'll have to go through those same trials again and again, because God wants you to learn something through that thing. And if all you want to do is find the resolution, then God can give you that resolution, but you're going to have to go through that same issue again because you didn't learn what you needed to the first time. And so if we're just not focused, if we're not focused on becoming like Jesus, we're gonna have to go through that trial over and over. And this is because Christ wants you to grow through and during the pruning process. But oftentimes pruning is difficult. If we don't learn what he wants us to learn, uh, because we just want a quick and easy resolution, the problems we're facing, what was what happened is we've completely missed the point of that hardship, We've completely missed the point of that trial, which was, I want you to grow. See, Josh, there's nothing wrong with Tanner. You're missing something. You're missing some patience. You're missing some kindness. You're missing some goodness, some gentleness, because you always respond to Tanner harshly. You're you're missing some self-control, because you wanna lose it. See, you're missing some things, Josh. It's not that Tanner has a problem, it's that you're missing something, and I wanna show you what you're missing, but you gotta go through this process. You gotta go through the pruning process. Everything, uh, Jesus, becoming like Jesus is everything to God and everything for the life of a Christian. When you learn to be like him, your situations and your circumstances serve your growth and serve your life instead of bring you down. The Father's passion for making you like Jesus is a critical part of your identity in him and his presence in you. As we pursue God, using our life situations, the vision of our life begins to unfold. For instance, when you're in a relational difficulty like I just referenced, um, typically it's about developing a fruit of the Spirit in you. So you could feel that this relationship difficulty is an obstacle to your life and growth, but what, what if it's actually there in your life to create a scenario where you're able to break out of one area in your spiritual walk and move to a new one? where this hardship is not just something that's trying to beat you down, but just a, a way that God's saying, hey, I wanna move you to another level, but you gotta go through this. There's the flip side to not learning what Christ is trying to teach you through the pruning process, and that is if we're just praying for the resolutions of our problems and not about what Christ wants to teach us, then when our problems are not resolved the way we want them to, or they're not resolved in the timely manner that we see fit, then what happens? We start to get angry with God. We start to turn on God. We start to, uh, to not trust his heart for us. We, try, we start to not trust his love for us because we want this problem resolved, and when he doesn't resolve it the way we want it to be, to be done, then we get mad. But that doesn't ever occur when we have a problem and we're looking, God, I, well, how do you want me to grow? How do you want me to, how do you want me to mature through this? In, sim- uh, in similar life situations as the one I referenced, God says that in order for you to go where I want to take you next spiritually, you're gonna have to learn about this fruit of the spirit, whether that's faithfulness or gentleness or self-control, whatever it is. You're gonna have to learn the beauty of it, how it works. You're gonna have to learn that the enemy is most afraid of you becoming patient or steadfast. He's, he's most afraid of you learning how to, uh, to, to navigate these waters. He hates those people that are bearing fruit of the spirit. And when you know that Christ is trying to produce the fruit of your life through the, the difficult circumstances of your life, you're able to switch your perspective and start to, uh, to, to have a greater desire to grow and learn from the hardship and trust God to an even greater degree. We often can't see the areas of our lives that need to be pruned, and therefore, we have to trust the gardener. I think when we encounter difficulties or hardships, one of the first questions we ask is, why me why me why now why this why that instead of saying i trust you god to show me what i need what's missing in my life how can i grow so this next point when difficulties arise we are sometimes tempted to produce artificial fruit Verse three, we're gonna, read the, we're gonna read this section. It says, you've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse three, it says, you've been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Now, this is, a, this is obviously Jesus talking to people that already are Christians, and he's saying, hey, if you're a Christian, if you've walked in the faith, even if it's only been a little while, you've started the pruning process. Now, you've been purified through salvation, but you're still going through a pruning process. Now, uh, what happens? Why do we get to this point where we want to start producing artificial fruit? It's this thing that I, I like to call the disappointment gap, it's this gap that's created when what you expect doesn't meet up with reality, when what you've hoped for is not what actually comes to be, when when what you've prayed for for so long doesn't actually come to fruition. In that gap, disappointment. So when we hope for something and it doesn't come into reality, there's a, there's a gap there and that gap is the gap of disappointment and when we get into the gap of disappointment, we start to get um, disobedient, we start to get impatient, we start to get agitated, we start to get irritated and we start to try to force things because there's this gap where expectations are not met with reality when what we've prayed for isn't what comes to fruition and so we start to say, We started to, 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 in that that frustration, in that that disappointment gap, we start to trust our own hands. We start to say, God, I'm going to trust my ways and my thoughts above your ways and your thoughts. I'm going to trust my power and my skills and my gifts over your power and your skill and your gifts. I'm going to trust me instead of trusting you. And so we start to force things. God, I've been praying so long for my finances. I've been praying so long that we would we'd make things work, that you would give us, but you know what? You're just not coming through, so I'm just gonna get a second job. I know it's gonna kill my family. I'm not gonna be able to spend any time with them, but I'm, I'm just gonna get this job because I, I need this money, and you know I need this money, but, but it's, not, it's not coming through. Producing artificial fruit. Instead of sitting and trusting and waiting on the Lord, we decide, mm-mm, I'm gonna produce my own fruit. See the problem is uh, anybody ever seen artificial fruit? Anybody seen that, that 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 fruit basket full of all the plastic fruit? It may look okay. It may deceive you from a distance, but when you get up close, you know it's not the real thing. I'm not. I'm not up here trying to eat a plastic grape. Um, that is not going to go down well, uh, and uh, that's going to cause me a lot of problems. In 1 Corinthians chapter thirteen, verses nine through twelve, it says that our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Uh, It says, even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture, but when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will be useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. It says, now we see things imperfectly, like a puzzling reflection in a mirror, but then we will see things with perfect clarity. Then it says this, all I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. We do not have an aerial view of our life. We do not have the drone view. You know, when drones get up in the air and they can take these huge aerial shots of our life. We're on this timeline, but we don't get the whole shot. We only get what's next. So we're walking in the day by day, the hour by hour. And what ends up happening is, is we start to, we only see this. And so because we can't see the, the aerial view and, and if we get in this place of disappointment and we start getting irritated and try to force things, we say, God, I don't trust that aerial view. I trust what's right here and right now. And I'm gonna force the issue and produce art, artificial fruit. Uh, this, this, this fruit that's not lasting, that's not satisfying, that doesn't fulfill. Yeah, you may get a second job, but you're gonna be burned out. You're, there's a lot of after effects that come from that artificial fruit. Uh, parents burn out, kids burn out. Uh, it, just, it just wears you down. Artificial fruit. So let's look at this, this, this verse in verse 7 in John chapter 15. It says, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now, this is a promise from God. Man, who, who in here likes the promises of God? Who, who rests and, and loves to, to read the promises of God? Man, I do too, I, I love this. Now, man, it says, ask anything you want and it will be granted. Like, come on, I can ask for anything? Like, anything? Like, if I want a 1,000 bagel bites, like, I can ask for them and I'm gonna get, like, like, if I wanna grow to be 6'5", even though I'm 27 and I'm done growing, Like, anything I ask for, God, it's going to be granted to me? Hmm. Let's read this verse in a different way that may be a little bit more helpful to us. It says this. It's the same verse, just read differently. You may ask anything you want, and it will be granted if you remain in me and my words remain in you. You may ask anything that you want and it will be granted if you remain in me and my words remain in you. It's the exact same verse, just flipped. It's the exact same verse, just flipped. And I think that flip just helps it hit home. See, I, I think we fall in love with the promises of God, but we forget what is before and after, the pathway to the promise. We love the promise, but we don't love the pathway to the promise as much, right? We love the ask anything and it will be granted a thousand bagel bites. But then when I have to read the pathway, I have to remain in Christ. His words have to remain in me. I have to produce fruit. I have to show Christ-like character. Oh, I don't know if I want that. I just want the genie in the bottle. I just want to be asked for anything and it to be granted. See, this is the trend. This is the trend for the promises of God in scripture, This is not just a solo thing. Now, think about this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Knock, and the door will be opened. Seek, and you will find. See, there's a promise there. There's a promise there, but there's also a pathway. There's also this this sense of, if you will, then God will, right? Uh, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. The pattern's the same, If you will, then God will. So what is God asking us here? He's asking us to align ourselves with him. God wants to give you these promises and he will, but only if you're properly aligned. Without the alignment, Jesus turns into the genie in Aladdin and grants you all the craziest carnal desires that your little brain can think of. God wants to richly bless you did you know that the, the a double portion is the smallest blessing in Scripture? A double portion. That's the smallest blessing that you can receive from God. I love a double portion. Who would not like to go to like a really nice steakhouse and order like a 12-ounce sirloin, and they just happen to bring you out two, right? A double portion. Or like you show up for the car dealership on the day they just happen to be having a two-for-one special. And you can just get two Suburbans for the price of one, right? I mean, that is a double portion. That's who, who doesn't want that, right? You know, my, my favorite version of the double portion is a, a double scoop of ice cream. You know, I love that, uh, but that's for a different conversation. So um, what I'm trying to tell you here is that God wants to bless you, but your alignment with his heart and his spirit have to be correct, God has great personal plan for you and for me, but we have to get into alignment with what he's doing. If we are out of alignment, we will start to seek things that are temporary, that have an expiration date, that, that, that are not in alignment with what God wants. Our hearts, our wills, our spirit will seek what God wants when we are in alignment with him. And we'll start to seek things that are eternal, things that are everlasting, things that, are here and now, but will last on into eternity. We have to be in alignment with what Christ is doing. So the next point, Jesus asks us each day to abide in him. Jesus asks us each day to abide in him. So what is that? So I'm gonna, I want you to, to write that down, but I want you to, this is a critical part of this whole this whole message. I want you to, 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 to hone in here, look at me here. It, listen to this. Your proximity to Christ is so critical. You see, it is your proximity to the presence of Christ that becomes the provisions for the trials that you will face. Let me read that to you one more time. You see, it is your proximity to the presence of Christ that becomes the provision for the trials that you will face. When you're close to Christ, that mountain no longer looks immovable. That, that, that giant is no longer as tall. When I am close to Christ, he becomes the provision for the trials that I'm facing. He gives me new perspective. He allows me to see things in a new way. And so instead of allowing these things to burden me and weigh me down and tear me up, I start to see things with new light, positive light, joy, peace, patience. I, I'm starting to, I, I'm able to see and God starts to be the provision for my trials. But when I am a far apart from him, when, when, when our proximity is not close, then these things look insurmountable. They are my demise. They are my doom. There is no moving forward. Abiding in Christ is so critical. So what is it? What is abiding in Christ, and how does someone do this? Well, practically, abiding in Christ is just remaining in relationship with him. Remember that God is a relational God. That's what he focuses on, our relationship with him. So abiding in him is just being connected with him. So there's three aspects uh, that this scripture talks about um, that relate to us and help us understand what does it mean, how do I practically abide in Christ? The first aspect is uh, connection. We must stay connected with Christ. He is the vine, we are the branches. We must stay connected to the spiritual and physical life source. If we are not connected with Christ, we are, we're missing it. We've, we must stay connected Number two, we abide in Christ by depending on him. There's a dependence factor. Uh, When you have a young child, they want to stay close to you. They want to stay in close relationship with you. Why? Because they depend on you. But as they grow and they become independent, your proximity grows. Christ does not want us to become independent, He says, I need you to be dependent on me. I need you to rely on me. And I know that oftentimes in my life, when I face struggles and I'm facing trials in my life, it is Christ saying, Josh, Josh, come closer. Come closer. You're too far away. We need more intimacy. We need to get closer. I need you to to draw near to me. That, that That these issues that I'm facing draw my attention to, hmm, I've been, I've been living a little too independently. I've been missing my, my dependence on Christ. See, dependence is what keeps relationship with Christ close. Number three, uh, the, the third aspect <clears throat> is that abiding in Christ is continual and ongoing. You never get to a place in your Christian life where uh, you say, you know what? <laughs> I've abided in Christ for long enough. That was fun. <laughs> see you next week, Jesus, like, uh, it just doesn't happen like that. You never get to a place where where you you stop abiding in Christ. It's continual. It's ongoing. It's, it's actually everlasting. Now that we are abiding in Christ, uh, when we are abiding in Christ, we will be producing the fruit of the Spirit. It says that this next point is abiding in Christ is evidenced by producing fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want us to go back to verse five, because verse five Connects with this verse, and it says this it says in verse five, it says that those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. It does not say they might produce fruit. If they feel like it, they'll produce fruit. On a good day, they'll produce fruit. It says that if you are abiding in Christ, if you are remaining in Him and He is remaining in you, that you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. It is not an option. It is not something that would just happens sometimes and not other times. It says, if you are abiding in Christ, you will produce fruit. It is a guarantee. Um, but what we have to remember is who is doing the producing. Is it me producing the fruit, or is it Christ producing the fruit? So uh, I think sometimes, again, we try to we try to force it. We try to force it, and we get into to. Uh, I guess, community or company where we feel like we've got to act or live or be a certain way, and so we start to kind of fake it and we try to force it. But my suggestion to you is, instead instead of trying to be good, stop trying to be good and allow God to produce goodness in you. Stop trying to be holy, stop trying to be righteous, and allow God to produce goodness and righteousness and holiness in you. When we force it, we're faking it. When we're forcing it, we're producing artificial fruit. People don't want to eat plastic grapes and plastic bananas. They're not interested, right? Because fake love is no no love. Fake joy, fake peace is no peace. Fake kindness, who wants somebody who's only kind to them to their face? Not me. It's not real. It only only lasts for a fragment. And Jesus says, no, mm mm-mm, that's not how I want this. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will produce real, real fruit. Um, It says that apart from me, at the end of verse five, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus, he's a lot of things, but one thing he is not is a liar. Jesus is not a liar. And he says that apart from me, you can do nothing. Now in Matthew, he says, with me, all things are possible. But I want you to know that it says, with. You know what with helps us understand? There's a partnership there. It's a it's a it's a it's a partnership. With Christ, all things are possible. When you produce much fruit, verse 8 says, You are my true disciples, and it brings my Father great joy. God wants to bless you. He wants to produce fruit in your life. God loves you and desires, you, uh, desires for you to have eternal life with him forever. But you also have an active role in your relationship with Jesus. You cannot sit on your hands and expect blessings. The fruit of the spirit does not magically rain down from heaven on you like pixie dust. You have a partnership. You have a role to play in your, in your uh, relationship with Christ. And that role is to be open to allow God to move and then be obedient where he needs you to be obedient. It's allowing Christ to move and say, God, I wanna I, I want do your will, I wanna do your way. I'm gonna be obedient, right? Because this verse says, right? Uh, if When you obey my commands, you remain in my love. It's about being obedient. Apart from, apart from me, you can do nothing. So why don't we just stop sometimes, relax, take a deep breath, and trust God. Pray fervently for growth, feverishly and in desperation, and then trust and obey God. We get ahead of the spirit of God sometimes because we want to see results or we get uncomfortable and impatient in the gap of disappointment. Instead, what we really need to do is sit and trust. Uh, there's this song out right now um, by a guy named Danny Goki, and it's, uh, it's titled, Just Haven't Seen It Yet. And, and the verse, uh, and the chorus says, it's like the brightest sunrise waiting on the other side of the darkest night. Don't ever lose hope, hold on and believe. Maybe you just haven't seen it yet. Don't get impatient. Don't, run, don't rush before the spirit of God. Trust, hold on, hold on to hope and believe that you know what? Maybe your breakthrough is just right around the corner and you can't see it because you don't have the aerial view of life. You don't know what's next. All Christ is asking you is to trust and obey for this moment right here, right now. What can I do to trust and obey God right here, right now? When we start to feel impatient or unsettled, we need to sit and trust I think of uh, great is thy faithfulness, right? All I hath needed, thy hand hath provided. Man, uh, I even think of the the Lord's prayer. Give us this week our daily bread, give us this year our daily bread, or give us this day our daily bread. Christ wants to fill us to overflowing. That's our last point. Christ wants to fill us to overflowing. I have told you these things, verse 11, so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your, your joy will overflow. Joy can be something that eludes us as we go through the ups and downs of life, especially if we are in the process of pruning. If we remember that every situation in our life is designed to help us grow, we will be looking for growth instead of being 100% focused on the pain or the struggle or the grind. Our joy comes when we're able to fully trust the gardener, Jesus when we trust his steady and loving hand to guide us and direct us, to give us all that we need throughout life. Joy is a perspective change, a choice to be made, and a gift from God. It's a perspective change. We gotta see things differently. We gotta make different choices, but it's also a gift from God. It's all three of those things in one thing. We live in a clash between two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. At some point, we have to decide, where do I actually want to be living? What is my actual area code right now? Is it hell on earth area code? Or is it on earth as it is in heaven area code? Allow God to give you the joy that he desires you to have. Do you know someone who just lives with joy? Who's just unmovable, unshakable? They're never unsettled. They can always find the good. They can always see how God's working in every situation. When I was young, I had a lady named Rosie, and she was kind of annoying to me because she was always happy and she was always finding the joy in every situation. And I I didn't have that yet. And I was like, How is how is this lady like this? Can she like chill out for a second? Like, can she not have like one moment of melancholy ever? Like she's always blessing people on the road. I mean, she'd come out of her house and not yelling people in their cars and praying blessing over. Them. I'm like, Rosie, you are nuts. Like, chill, go back in your house. You know, You know, my mom would come pick me up for practice or something outside the house and I'd be walking out and my, she'd run over and pray for my mom right there. I'm, I'm like, who is this lady? But you know what? Her husband got really sick, never lost her joy. Things got really bad for her family. Never lost her joy, unshakable. Christ says, "If you are my true disciples, I will give you joy. You will have joy. You, we, as the people of God, we should be known for our joy. Do you have joy today? Our lives should be filled with joy. So we're gonna, we're just gonna, we're gonna sing a re- response song. But I want you to respond personally, individually. I don't know, how, uh, I don't really know what the proper response is for you today." But in a moment, you're gonna have the chance to respond. Uh, Maybe you need to come, and you need to come and pray to be connected or reconnected to the vine. Maybe you've been severed, and you just need new connection with the true vine. Maybe the the circumstances that you're facing in your life are, are things that Christ is trying to use to help you grow and you just need a perspective change and you need to pray about that. God, help me to see where you are trying to get me to grow. Maybe you need to stand and sing with joy and praise God for his goodness and his faithfulness. Or maybe you need to come and repent for trying to produce too much artificial fruit, for getting ahead of the spirit of God and praying that God would slow you down and renew your trust in him. I don't know how you need to respond. Sit, stand, kneel, raise your hands, run down the aisles for all I care. But all I ask is that in this moment of response, as we sing, that you'd put aside your pride and you would respond authentically to the spirits leading in your life. Let's sing together.
1: horse again.
0: in him this week draw near to him stay connected to the true vine and trust the gardener trust our Father as he now helps you navigate the situations in your life and the circumstances of your life pray for new perspective change pray for Christ to renew his spirit in you to be close to you and to reveal his love for you go in peace this week thank you so much for being here we love you Have a great week.